Welcome, everybody. I'm Stephen. I'm here with my good buddies, Mark and Gerald. This is episode 45 of Null Pointers, where we'll be talking about privacy in apps. So stay tuned. Before we get into the main topic for today, I wanted to ask Gerald because he knows a lot of stuff. I've been looking all the stuff. He knows all the stuff. I've been looking at getting a personal MacBook of some sorts and I was looking at an M1 because they're all the rage. And then I was wondering that what actually runs on my M1 because I mean do all the things run that I want to run on it? I just don't know. And it doesn't really make sense to shell out, I don't know, 1600 bucks for a machine where half the stuff you want to do doesn't work yet. So Gerald, Gerald had a solution. Well, yes, yes, yes. There is this website because I have been, I was aware of your plans. And now I'm also a little bit made enthusiastic about getting a new MacBook and maybe an M1. Um, so I might have, you know, did some research and I came across the website is appleSiliconReady.com slash four slash developer. Um, so I can only imagine, I only looked at this one for the developer one. Uh, link in the show notes, of course. Uh, but I can only imagine that you ha also have slash four slash something else. Um, gamer, I don't know, uh, graphical designer. Uh, but at least, you know, this was for the developer and has pages full of tools like .NET and uh, Visual Studio and IntelliJ and JetBrains Writer and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it tells you like, hey, does it run on Rosetta? So is it emulated basically? Um, or does it run natively on M1 um, bits, on the silicon bits? Um, and then you can expect, you know, all the performance, all the advantages of running your Apple M1 chip thingamajiggy. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the website that you can go out and uh, check all the things. I also asked our good friend of the show, um, Tobias Hoppenthaler, um, Hoppen, Hoppenthaler, H Hoppenthaler. Sounds right. Sounds so, right. Yeah. So, oh, thank you, Mark. If you say it German enough, then it's yeah. always good. Yeah. <laughs> Tobias Hoppenthaler. Um, so, but he doesn't mind. Um, and he has one. So he was so kind to, he was willing to jump on a call uh, with us, which wasn't really necessary because we had busy schedules and um, we can't wait a week to decide on these things. We just want to do it now. Uh, but that was very kind of, of Tobias. So thank you for that. And um, I asked some other people and it seems that you can do a whole lot of that you want to do with the M1 stuff, um, which is, which is pretty awesome. So yeah, I'm, I know Steven went for the non M1 one already uh, and I'm still wondering what to do. So maybe next episode, I, I got it. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? I so I, I hopped on the link that you just showed, and I think it's a really cool website because there are tons of tools I had no idea that even existed. Uh, so yeah, um, I would definitely check it out. There are even some productivity tools like Teams or your uh, other cool thingies that you use to be productive during the daytime or the nighttime or whenever you feel most productive. And yeah, be sure to check it out. Being productive though. Another thing that starts with PS Productive, privacy. There you go. There you go. It's it's so fluent as usual. Yeah, 
so privacy and apps. Um, we've all we've all used apps. Obviously, we sign in to our accounts on pretty much every app that we use. Um, but how can we be so sure that those apps are actually handling all that data in a in a good manner? I mean, we we log in. There's this typically probably this this little button or section at the bottom. You agree to our privacy policy, our our agreements, all those good things. You never read them. Firstborn child, stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You never read them, so it it might as well say, "Hey, we store your password in plain text. Do you mind?" <laughs> and you just click, "I agree." It's good. Let's do awesome. it. I think it, 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 this is a little Easter. Well, it's not an Easter egg. I think they it, they were pretty serious about it. But I think a famous example of that is in the um, end user agreement of iTunes. There was some phrase about that you could not use it to make nuclear bombs or something like that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they they can put anything in there basically. Um, but as soon as we click agree, we obviously sign away all our rights. Um, but how can we be so sure as mobile developers, at least, that we have the best intentions for our users in mind? Um, so, for example, when logging in, um, do we just store that password somewhere or do we ship that off into some other library that, that handles it and pray that everything goes well? So th- there's a few things, obviously, we can touch upon here. Privacy is a big, big topic. I think I read somewhere, and this is a couple of years ago, that even... If you are locked out of Facebook and all those things, then um, still the combination of like your um, um, screen resolution, the browser that you're using, the version of the browser that you're using, and a couple of things more. These are all, you know, not really personal details about yourself. Um, But combined, and this is all data that your browser will um, give to these web applications, um, combined, they can still track, you know, um, who 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 is that person? If it's the same person that is visiting Facebook or Instagram, and they can still follow you around the internet, basically. And then if you make the mistake to log in somewhere, then they can f- suddenly put your name on that as well, and they know who they're um, looking at, basically. And um, so that's you know, if you if you think about it that way, it's kind of scary, and it 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 is much much more scary even now because a lot of people still have their Facebook profile. Um, um, and whenever you're logged in there, then there's a lot of um, websites and web applications that have a little share button or a like button or uh, just have the Google or the, the, the Facebook pixel, which is uh, a way of just tracking your users, which is even invisible. It's called a pixel because it's you know very small. You don't even see it. Um, so yeah, they have all these ways of tracking you. And if you're talking to like more non-technical people, uh, something, some concern that's voiced a lot is like, oh my gosh, they seem to be listening to our conversations because we just talked about buying a new mattress and now suddenly I get advertisements for mattresses. Um, and you know that's probably... I still don't really believe that they're listening to our microphones, although there have been a whole number of weird bugs, air quotes, uh, which which the most recent example is uh, reading the, the clipboard on your iOS phone. Um, but I'm drifting off here. So they can, they can get all that information just from your search history and go through all kinds of um, sites tracking you uh, wanting to buy your new mattress. And I will stop my monologue here, but I just want to add one example that pops into my head, uh, which was, I think, from Target or something, a big 
um, warehouse uh, kind of shop in in the US, um, or or maybe it was the UK. Well, one of one of these, um, and there was I think an outrage and 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 a lawsuit and everything because um, they start sending to a 16 year old girl or something i think like hey congratulations you're pregnant here's stuff that you might want to buy um and the parents were outraged because she's 16 she can't be pregnant what's this blah blah blah. um and it was just you know they had all this well shall we call it ai behind it to see what she was searching for what she was doing um i don't know they had a couple of things and it turned out that she was actually pregnant in the end so that's kind of very scary and maybe a little bit of coincidence in there, but who knows? These systems are getting very good at predicting behavior and what's going on in your life. So that's, um, that's a big part of that too. I mean, you, you can read about how they do it um, or just listen to what Gerald just said, uh, how, they, how they can do it. And they are coming up with more and more ways. And uh, even though some conversations might be kept private, um, they will still see with whom you have communicated, and they might make some deductions of that because they uh, can quite well pinpoint uh, your gender, your age, your interests, and then, yeah, out of those patterns, uh, make the best, show you the best ads that you might most probably click up on. That being said, I mean, Stephen, we are we are generally good people, or we like to think of ourselves as uh, good and decent people. So if we are now we doing try. this... We try. So if we if we now set out to develop this new awesome app, I mean, we had some really great ideas while being on the show. Um, we, I'm sure one day, uh, as soon as we are no longer working a day job and stuff like that, um, we will have time to do them. What what should we keep in mind when setting out on these journeys? Yeah, what do you need to check out? Uh, obviously, if you run an app that takes payment details. That's one of the big ones, obviously. You don't want those to leak out into the public domain. Um, typically, when doing those in apps, um, you have this this additional abstraction that the OS sort of forces upon you, I guess, anyway. Um, so payments go through Apple, go through Google, which handle that whole credit card or, or payment detail stuff. Um, some other apps, I think, on, on Android, they're probably a bit more lenient i'm not quite sure i don't have an android but um obviously those payment details if if you're asking for them they they need to be taken care of real well um and also something that uh that comes along often at least in in apps that i'm building is that if you do some form of tracking like gerald already said um with the target stuff if you're doing some kind of tracking, even if it's just analytics, um, if you're putting in some kind of user ID that could lead people to a person, um, that is that is quite dangerous. I mean, you have obviously you have this de depersonalization, I believe it's called, um, of data, but you can you can rip out the names basically, but there still are ways that you can like figure it out if you're just ripping out the names. Um, because certain things might still lead to a person, but yeah, that, that I think that's a whole field of its own um, to explore here. But yeah, some some sample that I recently came across was we have a we've built an app, and basically there's also this this little backend system um, that reads some data from there, and it's in the backend system it displays the name of the user that did something, and well, 
complaints came in basically um we don't want our name displayed there because if someone looks at the screen or someone else looking at that data that shouldn't be then our name's in there um so they had to change it into like a, a three letter short handle or something um just because the people that it was about were complaining about it so you can you can take it pretty far i would say um and yeah, it's it's your name and your data, so I can sort of imagine it. Um, but yeah, so user IDs, names, credit card details, another big one, passwords, always a fun one. Um, use a password manager, I would say, but that that still doesn't save you from like the the ones you're putting the password into who are also doing something with it um, to verify. Like I said in in the intro, um, storing some kind of plain text password somewhere that's, uh, you just don't know, right? I mean, you're submitting your password to something, but you just don't know how it's being handled. And I think someone like Troy Hunt, who we've mentioned more than enough on this show already, um, also has every once in a while a blog post where he's basically fedding some of these companies um, and their support help desk and, and coming across the most ludicrous scenarios where they're just saying, yeah, well, you compare it against something plain text or something. And yeah, that's a, that's never a good thing. Yeah. And it can be, it can be very, um, very sophisticated, right? Because, you know, you can do all the things right in your app. Uh, but then if you have a backend system that is maybe not in your control, then they can still maybe save some data, plain text there, which is not great. Um, so you're dependent on that. And of course, you know, with the whole, then we're going more towards security, by the way, but the whole weakest link in all of this is still the the human factor, right? Because I remember a story, uh, maybe, maybe from Troy Hunt, I don't know, or I picked it up somewhere, is that um, it might be a YouTube video. Um, where they go um, social engineering. So that's basically hacking the the people. Um, so you call some help desk and you say, oh, I forgot my password. Can you please help me? Uh, they will ask you for some verification. And then you say you forgot or you, I don't know, you somehow know because, you know, you always have, uh, or a lot of times you have these um, questions like what was your high school name or your first pet's name or whatever, uh, which is information that is not too hard to discover. Um, so, but I think there was this crazy, crazy story where, because all the companies all need a little bit of different information to verify it's you, right? So um, I think they went to Amazon to get the uh, uh, a credit card number and then with the credit card number they could go to Apple and they could get uh, their birth date and with the birth date they could go to PayPal and they would get the, the I don't know the, the, some other detail and with all these details they could put together this big identity theft and um, then in the end I don't know there was some crown jewels that they were trying to get into uh, but yeah you know if you if you put enough time and effort into it you can go a long way and I think Amazon was kind of the baddest one in this whole chain who gave out information way too easily or something like that. I can't remember the details, but I'll see if I can find the story and put it in the show notes. But um, yeah, there were a couple of um, companies who changed their policies um, with this, well, hack air quotes. Um, but yeah, so even if you get all the technical details right, there's still you know this whole different angle of um, danger and, and stuff going on that you need to be aware of. And yeah, that's that's actually a problem that's not really fixable i think 
Yeah, I think the human factor is always quite difficult to get right or to train people. Um, even if you train people, I mean, yeah, at a certain point you you just get soft or you want to help out the other person. That's I think that's always the thing. But for us as app builders, I think you touched on many very good points there. Um, and I think it's just generally keep in mind when when you collect these things of a user, like if you are a payment provider. Uh, it might be quite difficult to outsource your core business to to another party because you are the payment provider. But uh, you you just want to keep that in mind that the information that you receive and that you store, and oftentimes there are a ton of regulations in place for these things uh, to to keep them protected. Um, to yeah, to go through those extra hoops to make ensure that the data that is entered by your user is also stored safely on your service or in your app. And another thing uh, I always like to keep in mind is whenever someone enters a secret that you don't really have to hold on to, like we set passwords, uh, just don't store them in your app. Um, there are security mechanisms or authentication mechanisms that are specifically there to avoid you having to hold on to any personal details of a user. So even if your app gets exploited or the phone of your user gets hacked and they get into the app, they will not find any information there that you have to have uh, or that you can use to uh, identify yourself wrongly as the user of the phone. And uh, those are those are various um, tactics they can do. And I think it's also always interesting to compare the two. I mean, security and privacy, I mean, sure, they, they go hand in hand. And so you can say, hey, uh, a good security uh, investment in your app also helps the privacy of your user. But uh, I think there are also some different kind of aspects. Uh, I mean, we, we talked about encrypted messages, uh, but what if only the transport layer is encrypted? I mean, that means you can still read the contents on the server, right, Stephen? Yeah, so another thing I was wondering if you guys ever or recently came across it, um, since it's we're talking all about privacy. Um, has anyone recently deployed an app to the App Store, like the iOS App Store? Yes. Did you have to fill in the whole questionnaire thing about privacy? Oh, the new like one. the oh, yeah. new one? It's it's like these are the things you use, and then for everything that you use, you need to fill in another questionnaire with how you're using it, if you're using it for ads, if you're using it for this or that or that. It's like it's, it, you could spend a day filling that thing in. It's I As a developer, I got very uncomfortable and I was like, please let someone fill this in who is on the legal team or something. Like, you know, <laughs> not, yeah. don't let me do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had to actually fill that out for a, uh, a client of us and it's just a, Oh, so you're the app experts. Look, we got a question while submitted to the app store. Please fill in. And you're like, do you? I mean, I, we, we provide the app. That's true. But I mean, they're backend services of the, the client that we were using. So whenever you made a request to the survey, it was like, in theory, I transmit the client ID and the tokens, and I then get some information. Like, are you tracking anything of that stuff? I mean, it's the. As, as the app developer, it's not always all that easy. But yeah, I know what you mean. And uh, I, I think 
Yeah, I mean, from one end, it really makes you think really hard to to go through these questions, like how do you use uh, the data that you're collecting from the user? So data that we collect in our apps are like crash reports, uh, stuff like that. Uh, so we can provide a better experience in our minds. So if something goes wrong, we actually got the chance to fix it later on. But that's in some kind you're tracking the app then, and then you have to provide the information in the Apple Store. And and I remember there was a Google, I think they had quite a timeout when the policy came yep. on until they made another update. Did you? There was you, this graph see? that they basically updated all their apps almost daily or weekly or whatever. And then the, yeah. this questionnaire came into effect and then there was no updates for a long time. <laughs> That's funny to say. Yeah, they, they probably wanted to make all the legal bits Count on yeah, that yeah, exactly. And I think also because this all translates into, you know, it's. I think it's a good thing. You know, it's not a great thing as a you know single developer to have to fill out. Uh, but if you look, I think at the Facebook app, they had to do it as well. Um, and I think you know because this this questionnaire translates into something that is seen in the App Store whenever you're downloading the app, and you can say, hey, what is this app doing with my privacy with my data? Um, and I think Facebook, you know. That's what they do. That's their business. So um, there was this screenshot going around with like, you know, pages and pages long of all the stuff that they were collecting and what they're using it for. So um, it's it's good to have that transparent. And it's still funny. I think we mentioned that before with the whole switch from WhatsApp that people still don't seem to care and are like, yeah, okay. But I still like to be in touch with my grandma. Um so, well, yeah. yeah, the download button is conveniently placed at the top and this info is somewhere Probably. at the bottom. So that, that's Probably. the same issue you have with the, the little check mark and the privacy yeah. policy. I mean, that's probably the thing. Uh, the, another thing that, that, that I just remembered is maybe Mark knows about this um, because I know you are a DuckDuckGo user. Um, mm-hmm. I think I saw some tweet from DuckDuckGo coming by that also, Google has delayed it for a long, long time, but they finally now um, surfaced all the data and details that Chrome is actually keeping, um, is, is tracking from you. Do you know anything about that or not at all? I, I, haven't, I haven't yet stumbled over that news bit, but uh, what I heard uh, DuckDuckGo was outing Google that they also provide an app that you can, so you can download the Google Chrome app on iOS, I think. And when you put it into private mode, it will still submitting information about your searches back to Google. So that uh, was um, not, yeah. So they, they didn't think that was a very cool idea, DuckDuckGo. But um, yeah, if you, if you don't know DuckDuckGo, it's basically a search engine like Google. And um, I, I use it as my default search engine. And what I really like about it is if I'm ever not happy with the result that I get from a search, I could just go into the search bar and start with a bang G space, and then it will make a Google search for me without having to go to Google. So yeah, there's a little privacy tip bit right there. Pro tip, pro tip. You've heard it here first. Well, maybe not first, but you heard it here again. You heard it. That's the most important part. Yeah, Yeah. Okay, but coming back to the Signal and Telegram things, uh, I think we've talked about this before, and then we're circling back a little bit to the encryption stuff. But I think that is like, especially the Signal versus Telegram, right? Because WhatsApp was is Facebook, so that's scary again. 
they were changing their privacy terms things and people were panicking. I think, you know, the, the terms weren't as scary as people would think that people th- thought that um, all their conversations were going to be scanned and every word and they would know what is being said. And I think the only um, quote air quote thing that was going to be tracked is like how people were using the app. So maybe the thing that Mark mentioned, like, hey, more of the analytics, how long do the people have the app open? Um, I don't know. What else can you think of when using WhatsApp? Anyway, uh, but then a lot of people went to Signal and Telegram, where Signal is seen as like the most, the best one in in this whole story because they have end-to-end encryption, which actually WhatsApp has too by default. Uh, but a lot of people also go to Telegram with the idea that they are very safe there as well. Um, but, you know, then you just rush into some Russian company um, that, you know, we don't know what they're doing either. And you have to actually take another step to um, enable that end-to-end encryption because Telegram by default uh, encrypts your messages and stuff, but they are the holders of the encryption key. Is that Correct? Is that some, something you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite difficult to get objective information on these things. Um, we might have touched up on this topic in episode mm-hmm. thirty six, where we talked extensively about messages. Oh my gosh, apps, you but... know it! You know it from the top of your head. Thirty six? No, you yeah, just looked it yeah. up. No show notes. <laughs> They're your friends. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the, the the it basically boils down to whenever things are encrypted. Who has got the key to read the message in plain text? And in the case of Telegram, as you said, the encryption happens uh, in transit, but it's also, I think, stored encrypted on a server, at least so they tell you that. But the encryption key is also stored on another server. And so in theory, Telegram can read your messages if they want to. They say they don't do that, and we'll trust them. But uh, there's always this thing, well, what if someone some evil entity suddenly gets hold of the entire server farms that they are running. They, they could, in theory, do that. And Signal is secure through and through because everything is encrypted end-to-end, uh, except when you install a keyboard add-on that locks your finger strokes, you might still get spied up on there. But yes, you know, I mean, it's the tinfoil hat that we live in. So I think there's nothing 100% safe, but you can take steps to prevent uh, people on eavesdropping on your private conversations that you have with your spouse about the pampers that are currently just uh, on <laughs> discounts in the store around the corner. I mean, that that's, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't have these kinds of conversation, obviously uh, only very personal, deep and philosophical ones. Um, but yeah, I mean, another thing that we could think about, I mean, we're all app developers, or we like to think of ourselves as app developers. Uh, how can we ensure that when we write an app, I mean, that the the device can get hacked, right? I mean, you got no, uh, in theory, someone could get a hold of your device, uh, root it, and install your app. And then I can just see everything that's going on on your device. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess... Uh rooting an Android device is probably a little bit easier. I, I never really did it, actually. So I, I'm not sure if you guys actually ever rooted your device. Mark is, yeah, okay. They're both nodding profusely <laughs> at me. Um, I never did it. I'm a good boy. Um, 
but yeah, I would say for for things like uh, sensitive data, if you're, for example, building on iOS, use the keychain. Um, it's made for it. It it's probably well. I'm not going to say it's always going to be better than whatever you come up with, but um, it, it's been designed exactly for for that kind of purpose, right? So it's it's your best bet. And in the end, I I probably am going to sound a bit Debbie Downer, but I think if a hacker really, really, really wants to do something, it'll probably happen at some point. Maybe that's just me, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think when you when a device gets rooted and they manage to install your app, what they can do is they, uh, if you've got any secrets within the app, they will be able to read them. If you uh, send too much information uh, along the way, like you're in a chat, and whenever someone sends a message, you also include the user ID of that person and you include... I don't know some metadata that you never actually intend to show on the other end. They could they could start reading that, and I I think whenever you have these scenarios, we go through. Well, what if we run on a rooted device? I mean, you you can never be one hundred percent safe, and I think it's just always good to keep in mind, like, hey, what kind of information do we really want to show? Uh, generally, you can't have a device stolen and then rooted and then still have all the information on it um so you're safe from that but at least as far as i know from the approaches that i've seen but yeah i mean it's just going to say like whatever's in your app even if you got a app that gets physically installed through the app store on a device everything that's in there is a public knowledge or just treat it as if it were Uh, and i think you are yeah trying you will be uh doing the best that you can as a fellow citizen developer. Yeah, I think that's one of the best advices. Like if if you want to be as safe as possible, then don't store data that you don't need, right? I mean, just not having that data makes it a lot less interesting for anyone. Yeah, I think you always have to outweigh like what app are you going to use and what is the kind of data that you want to, you know, at least willingly um, want to sacrifice for that. I mean, yes, the the whole tracking thing, I think we've established that a lot of tracking happens without you maybe even knowing. Um, but, you know, if you have a very simple app to track if the um, diapers are somewhere in discount, because that's apparently something Mark is interested in, um, then it would be weird that you need to scan like your driver's license or something, right? But if you're working with some banking app and you're opening an account there, um, then yeah, there's probably no way to get around scanning some kind of form of identification. So then it makes a little bit more sense. Then you probably need to ask yourself, hey, do I trust these people with this kind of information? Um, Also make sure that, you know, you take the appropriate steps to maybe blank out the information that they're not supposed to see. Or um, I think a popular thing is like um, watermark it. So put some kind of watermark over it to um, um, specify the date and the the company that it's for so that you always know like, hey, this is, I, I left it for them and it's, it's basically also unusable for something else. Um, so, you know, yes, I think it's very good advice to be aware of the things that you're doing, make the trade-off, like what is the, um, the joy that I'm going to get out of this app and what am I um, willing to, to give them 
um, some of my privacy data and and together with the risk um, of them getting hacked or not. I mean, the risk is always there, but um, probably for a single developer, the risk is, well, I was going to say the risk is higher, but, you know, on the other hand, a Facebook is, of course, a much more interesting target than um, some kind of single developer. So uh, I can totally understand that for the average Joe, uh, the average consumer, it's it's very, I mean, me as I, I think of myself as someone who knows a little bit about the digital world and still I sometimes are very surprised at how they can track all my data that way and um, how I should not send something or what should I send or what do they know about me. So I can totally understand that for the um, average consumer, it's, it's very hard to, um, yeah, see through that and, and know what to look for. But um, yeah, coming back, I think it's very good advice to always treat it like unsafe, basically, and uh, go from there. Yeah, and though it might sound quite gloom and doom on this podcast, uh, the general interest is becoming more and more, or the focus on privacy is getting also more uh, attention from the law side. Uh, GDPR was launched from the European Union, which was a not something that was nicely seen by companies such as Google and Facebook, which uh, tend to collect uh, a lot of data that they don't even need for their purposes right now. But you never know. One day, the golden nugget will be in that pile of data. And uh, yeah, I think there since since that law came into action, a lot of more companies are now thinking about, hey, maybe I should start encrypting stuff that I collect from my user or not collect, but also that users store within my app. And uh, some best practices that were known, but were always the first to be shown out of the door when the budget got um, a bit on the tight end uh, are now yeah, essential to be implemented in an app or otherwise the consequences could be a lot more expensive. And I think one last thing that we want, well, that I want to add is uh, if I think back to the story of Troy Hunt is that you, you know, whenever you do get hacked as either a company or an individual or whatever, and your user's details are out there, you can go about it in a couple of ways. And one of them is being a beep. Um you know, by saying like, hey, it was secure and it's not us and it's everyone else, but it's not us. Or you can just say, hey, we screwed up. We're very sorry. It happens to the best of us. Uh, we're doing everything in our uh, in our, in our our power to fix it. Um, inform your users, try to find out what happened and make sure that it doesn't happen again. Um, I mean, this stuff happens. So, you know, just be a uh, nice person about it instead of, you know, blaming everyone else and... Um, uh, take your best, uh, your customers' best interests at heart. Basically, um, I think there is some kind of statement. I'm, I'm, uh, I can't remember the name. Some kind of statement that you can also have, like on your website, um, for like the more ethical hackers and stuff. That if they discover something, that you basically provide them with a couple of ways to contact you, um, how to disclose this information to you in a safe way. Um, and also maybe, you know, have some kind of bounty in place if you have the possibilities to do that. Um, I will I will see if I can figure out the name for that and put it in the show notes too. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, then if it does happen, because it's kind of inevitable, um, depending on, on what kind of entity you are, um, then, you know, just, just make the best out of it and do not go into a hole mode. <laughs> That is some sound advice to take.
And with that solid advice, we're going to wrap this episode up. We've been your hosts, Steven Tewissen. Mark Halliburton. And Jelle Slash. So if you have any juicy privacy-related stories, don't forget to share them with us on Twitter at NullPointers.io. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Stay safe. And until next week, on NullPointers. Pointers.